You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, it's Wednesday night, time for American Wine at podcastdetroit.com. How's everybody doing? Joining me today in studio is actress Vanessa Sawson. Uh, Vanessa, how are you doing? I'm Thanks so for coming great. in. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to have somebody actually in the studio and be looking at them. And uh, <laughs> it just it changes the dynamic of the conversation. I've done a bunch of phone interviews lately. So. Oh, yeah. Um, in person is best. So uh, so I always start off these interviews with the uh, the exact same question. That question is, where were you born? Uh, here, Royal Oak, Michigan. Oh, born and raised actually, two blocks from the studio. So, oh, so you're in uh, your old stomping grounds. I then, am. Huh? I am. It was really nice to drive by. Do you remember what this building was back when you were a kid? Um, I believe my dad bought his lawnmower in this very building. No, okay. Uh, yeah. When I pulled in, I I knew exactly uh, where it was, and this is where he had to actually push our old lawnmower up here to repair it. Wow. This place sold lawnmowers. Yeah, that's crazy. Because it was an account mind firm blown right before now. Before it was this. Oh yeah. So. Well, I've been. I <clears throat> guess older than that. <laughs> so lawnmowers, accountants, and now podcasts. Yeah. This building has been through some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> History. Um. So where where around here then? Where was it? So Connecticut, which is two blocks. Uh. Oh goodness, south of here. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was a. 131. Oh my gosh, that address, that number sticks out. It's a brings back great memories. So you grew up here then? You grew up in I Royal did. Oak. I did. We moved around here. a couple times, but that was my childhood home. And Royal Oak is not that big, so wherever we moved was always 2 miles from that place. Right. Yeah. Um so uh what did your parents do? My parents were artists, so they were actors and directors at night, and they both had day jobs. My mom was a medical technician. My dad worked for GM eventually. Mm-hmm. What did he do for GM? He was, well, he told me he was a bean counter, which I, <laughs> for years, really thought he counted beans mm. um, until I got older and realized that um, he thought his job was insignificant. But oh. he was he was the guy that decided how much each part was is what he broke it down to me. You got to set prices for car parts. I, uh, apparently, yes. Wow, <laughs> that doesn't sound insignificant at all. That sounds actually pretty. He's a humble man. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's where I get it from. <laughs> but they were both artists too, huh? They were, yeah. Can you tell us about that. Yeah. Well, my parents, um, they met at a place called Stagecrafters, which is actually the Royal Oak uh, Community Theater here. Oh. And my grandparents were the founding members, so it's in my blood. That's that's where I come from, and. Um, my parents uh, knew each other indirectly and then did a show, worked together on a show, and the rest is, I guess, history. Is that your uh, paternal grandparents or your maternal grandparents? Uh, paternal. paternal. That's my father's, right? Yeah. And they mm-hmm. started it, huh? Yeah, they're one of the founding members, and it actually was in Clawson when they originally uh, started or began, called the Baldwin Theater. Huh. It's across the street from a donut shop. Yeah, on 14 Mile. Yeah, that's Clawson, that mini suburb of Royal Oak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Clawson, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't know when it begins and ends. Like, I, I, it's just like, it's around it's there. It's like Berkeley. It's so, and I went down there recently and it is so adorable. There's all these new bars and restaurants and oh my goodness, it's so cute. Do you get out here often or are you? Any, any there's, while? surprisingly, there's a lot of recording studios around this area. So every once in a while I do. I, I do come down here whenever I get a job that's around here. Well, we'll, we'll start talking about that. So, uh, well, actually, before we do, what kind of a student were you? I, I was a great student. I, yeah. I'm a people pleaser. or I, I'm working on that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I loved to make my teachers proud. And I just ran into my first grade teacher. She came to a show of mine in April. I got to see her. It was 
<sighs> Lovely. Was she the one who got you into acting? No. Uh, ironically, her sister, though, mm. is a, an actress, which I didn't realize. You know, <coughs> they have the same last name. You think I'd put it together. But it was a magical moment. Uh, but no, my I, of course, wanted to be just like my parents. I would see them get, get dressed up and go on dates. And I'd want to know where they were going. I would ask, can I go with you? And finally, one night, they're like, yeah, put on a dress. And they took me and they, I saw a God spell that night. Oh, wow. I was five. I'm like, that's what you guys do. Wow, five years old. And, five. and, and God spelled like you understood God's. I mean, I don't, I didn't. I just saw a <laughs> bunch of people running around having a great time. It was in a gymnasium. Uh-huh. I remember my parents <laughs> holding their temples, which I know what that means now, which means, oh, they're in agony. But I was having the time of my life, uh, watching these people having the time of their lives. So I asked them, when can I be a part of it? And finally, I think it was six. My mom was choreographing Brigadoon. <laughs> At Stagecrafters, and she said, "Do you want to be in a play?" I said, "Please." So I was in the chorus, and I it was yeah. I, I think about it now, and I have like snippets of memories of that. But ever since then, I just wanted to be a part of it. So six years old then. Six, and, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you were the chorus in, in Brigadoon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with that show. <laughs> oh God, it's a it's it's an old show. Um, fan. It's about it's. It, it's yeah. I, please don't tell me what Brigadoon's about. Please, <laughs> oh God, please. I, no, it's a lovely show. <clears throat> Not done very much anymore. Um. So, how long have you been? This kind of jumps forward a little bit, but we'll we'll fill in the gaps. Yes. Uh, please. How long have you been acting for a living? Then, like, when did you start doing? Um. That? Well, uh, I guess officially, I would say since 2010. So, uh, that's when I decided to go to grad school and really, I guess pursue this as a career mm-hmm. and when you do that you you have to take a, a fantastic leap a giant leap definitely and either and there's uh, so many ways of doing it. everyone has their own journey of how they become i don't even know everyone is an artist i think but when you decide okay this is what i'm going to do to pay my bills <laughs> so how do i do this and it's been a hustle ever since you really can't you can't discount anything that comes your way unless it breaches some kind of – something that you've agreed to yourself. Okay, I'm not going to do this, obviously. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of side jobs, in terms of voiceover work or commercials or theater – I mean, theater is my 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 thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I would love to do. But it's it's extremely hard to make a living at theater if you just live in one place. I mean, you fly out to New York and live in New York. You're still going to be going to regional auditions and – Probably not even living there for the stuff that I do. I, I really am. A, I'm a Shakespeare girl, so um, I, I hunt for my jobs in in a regional way, and you know, so far, so good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I met you at an acting class at the Purple Rose uh-huh. out in Chelsea, which is yeah. Jeff Daniels' theater, and you're yes. currently uh, an understudy at a show. Yes, there. I was hired to be a full time understudy there back in August. It feels like forever ago, and I mean, several months. It closes December 29th, so it's an extremely long contract. I've had a great time working there. Yeah, well, and, and I, the reason I brought that up is because at the first – you were in the first group with me. Yes, the, the groups that we got our first in. scenes, yes. Yeah, and uh, I asked you because I found out you were – I was like, wow, these people actually – these are people that act for a living, like a lot of <laughs> yeah. the classmates. I'm like, that's really cool. And then I asked you, so what's your next job? And your response was, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I hate so, when people well, say to me, you know what you said to me once? Oh, no. No, 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 no because, <laughs> because that, ex- that, that made it clear to me as to what it was, what it was like to be doing I, this. Because you said like, believe... it's, you got to juggle it, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe when 
when I talked to you, um, that was in September or October. October, yeah. And I hadn't officially signed the contract for my next job. Uh, so there's always something that you're chasing. But the minute you put it out there, it's funny how things happen. You jinx yourself, you mean? I, I, I'm not superstitious, but I do know you can't count your chickens. And until you're actually in the studio, and even when you're in a studio, mm-hmm. it could be canned. You could be cut. You could things might not pan out. And there's plenty of jobs I've had where they've paid me anyway, but the show didn't happen mm-hmm. because under our union rules, that th- those kinds of things can happen. It's few and far between. And and it's not about getting paid. Of course, I need it so I can pay my rent and all that jazz. But um, it's really about the work. And the beauty of it is, is if you can find a job where you love doing it and someone's going to pay you to do it, oh, fuck yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's what it's all about, whatever that may be. It happens for me to be theater, theater specifically. Mm-hmm. I, of course, like I said, I won't deny myself opportunities that are going to be lucrative, but um, that's where I really feel like I get to practice my craft Oh, geez. Yeah. Why theater? Why, why do you? Uh... Well, like I said, when I went to that, that play, when I saw Godspell with my parents, I'll mm-hmm. never be able to replace that memory with anything else that ignites my fire of, yep, I felt that once mm-hmm. and I can always find it, even in my lowest depths where I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what my next job is. Fuck you, Alex. I don't know <laughs> what my next job is. <laughs> well, so, uh, it, it just, it may, it, not to sound too cheesy, but that uh, it makes you feel alive. Is what it it is. does. Like, and you so. remember our class, the way you felt when we're all together and we're all creating things. It's not about um, figuring out what anything means. It's just about being together. And I and I, I think that's just if we could do if we could figure out another avenue of doing that, like if that's what it's going to be like at another job, please sign me up for it. And when you figure it out, oh, my God, I um my pocketbook would thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure there. I'm sure for it depends on the individual. Some people do get that out of you know. Exactly. Job. I, yeah, I understand what you mean, though, because I, you know, I, I, that would be nice. Um, but so I, you, you had your first role when you were six. You must have. <laughs> you must have just gone. I mean, gangbusters. Then were you constantly well, in shows or was I, it? I mean, I, I wish my parents were the type of parents that I begged them. I, I, I wanted to to try to i guess make it but i think that's where they protected me because i don't think they realized they they wanted me to figure out what exactly i wanted Mm -hmm. and all i saw was getting up on stage and there was there was more meaning behind that which i didn't really figure out till i got older and i did try to go a different avenue i was um when i graduated from undergrad i did get my degree in theater eventually Mm -hmm. I, i kind of i had a long journey but once i came out of it i did have a degree that said oh she can perform on a stage, but knew that I needed to get a job. I lost my mom around the same time that I got my degree. So I'm like, all right, I need to get a job and I need to support myself and figure out what my next step is. So I got into sales. <laughs> so uh, different from theater. Yeah. <laughs> and um, while I was in that job, I realized, OK, I think I know why my dad's um, mood was so <laughs> volatile when I was younger. He was an artist trapped at a desk job. And right. I think when you're trapped at a desk and that's not who you're meant to be, your life can start compiling on itself and you can start to feel in a dark, dark funk, you know? So I rose out of that. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take over my life. And I did put myself back in school because I think that's a great place to launch off. And yeah. Here I am. So when when was that when you decided to to go back? March 6, 2006, I changed my life. Oh, really? And where'd you yeah. go? 
Well, I, I didn't go anywhere. I just decided, okay, these are my goals. Oh. So I wrote them down and one by one, I knocked them out. There was a lot. You know, I just lost my mom five years before then. So it took me about five years to, I guess, what is that? Wake up to me knowing that I needed to do something else. So I quit smoking. I lost a bunch of weight. I got new headshots and it took me about four years to get into school. Mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to go to the Hillberry in Detroit. They have a rotating rep program where you perform essentially to get your degree. A lot of grad programs you teach. And in this case, this was more performance based. And I knew I needed the most practice because, you know, how do you get good at something? You do it 10,000 times, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what they say. That's the, that's the number. So just get me up there so I can practice. Like I said, I like doing it. I like being around it. I want to be with the people and, and practice and play. So, uh, I, I, I graduate, I graduated in 2013. I entered in 2010. I started auditioning in 2007. Mm-hmm. Took me three, three times to get in, third time's a charm. <laughs> so what was your first paying job then, your first paying acting job? Uh, Well, the minute, well, I did some non-union theater before I got into grad school a couple years before. And Orpheus Descending was my first professional show at the Blackbird Theater in Ann Arbor. So that was the first time I got paid to do theater. I worked with an amazing director, oh, Lynch Travis. He is, he is a, he is one of the pillars here in Detroit. Um, great actor. I actually, I think he lives in Ann Arbor. So metropolitan Detroit, I should say. When you're an actor in Michigan, you kind of have to, be yeah. willing to travel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even around the the area. Even the, around the yeah. area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So th- that was in two thousand seven. Two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so that was when you decided like this is what I want to do, and it was well you said two thousand six or the yeah. year before, but it was yeah, yeah, that yeah. was when it it started to come. It into started fruition. to manifest. Yeah. The more I went out on auditions, the more I tried, and you know, it, I I just I think the universe just kind of paves the way for you as long as you put it out there what you want, but mm-hmm. you really have to be able to work at it. Which is why we met in class because I'm never going to be done with school. I'm never going to seek out opportunities where I have an opportunity to practice mm-hmm. because I've learned some things recently, and I want to be able to put that into. Not only a performance or rehearsal, even before then. So before I get my next job, which, you know, starts soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Okay, but, yeah, um, we'll get to it. But uh, so because I was going to say, so you, it took you a couple years to kind of get going. You said 2010 is when you consider like this mm-hmm. is my acting career. I'm taking. So uh, and then you, you then I graduate in 2013, and then yeah. luckily, um, the, the Hillberry provides a guest director, so people from out of state to come in to direct shows. So you make some contacts. So mm-hmm. I lined a couple things up with those guest directors. James Cool over at the Tipping Point in Northville, he hired me almost immediate. I just I almost was about to graduate, so I was a- able to overlap my first. I guess um, that's when I turned EMC, which is just before you turn union, you join, you become a member candidate. So he that allowed me to do that and kind of get the ball rolling and and be able to work in a professional environment right away. And I had a very successful two years right after that. And I started to seek opportunities outside of Michigan and was able to do Montana Shakes on tour, which was amazing. I worked in West Virginia for a while. Um, I went down to Cincinnati Shakespeare, and then that led me back up here in Michigan. So. Kind of did a tour to what is that? Tour uh, Midwest, the, yeah, the Midwest, yeah, <laughs> not not quite, Midwest but I'm I'm working on it. Coast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love to be able to say that. Um, so 
and you said that was just two years or was that, has that been pretty much the yeah, last that's five? Yeah, pre- that's, that's basically in a nutshell my life in the past since I've graduated. So was that five years? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a whirlwind. And then in the midst of that, I, I had a major injury, which I thought was going to take me out for a long time. But, um, you know, I, that wasn't going to uh, keep me down. Are you willing you. to talk about that? Or is oh, it's <laughs> a sensitive subject. Uh-huh. It used to be until something recently replaced that memory. So, oh, okay. God bless this universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was in the middle of a show doing Midsummer, and I jumped from a box and just blew my knee out and tried to keep going. But my body was like, oh, no, you're down. Mm-hmm. So I had to get surgery and recover. And uh, yeah, it was it was tough. Anyone who's been through. A major injury or has any kind of disability, my, my heart goes out to them because this, our world really isn't based on how to take care of people who aren't physically able. Right. Right. It's, you got to keep up basically. Yep. It's survival of the fittest, man. Mm -hmm. There was, that was a dark time, but you know. So how long were you out there? Um, I didn't get, I, I, I was so, so lucky to get into surgery almost immediately after my injury. It took about, Six months to be able to be mobile. I did do a show the following summer where I just basically stood there. They were very, uh, very kind to me and how we were going to proceed. So it was, it was a slow journey, but you know, I now feel it's almost going to be two years in February since that surgery happened and, or since the injury happened, I guess. Uh, so I'm full, I'm full, I'm full swinging now. I say that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Do you have a so do you have like a home base or anything when you do all this traveling? Do you have a place that you you know, like one apartment that you, you uh, keep or you no. just kind of move around? No, that that's no. Um a lot of kind people have supported me along the way. I'll say that for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to have um and then also there are certain jobs where they'll allow you to um they'll they'll house you. And and plus, when you're on tour, that also takes care of housing. So I keep that in mind when I'm finding jobs, knowing, all right, where am I going to live? Mm-hmm. And um, like last year, I got to stay with my cousin for a few months, and that was, <laughs> was so fun. It, and that opportunity would have never happened. I would never have thought to have asked her that unless I was in this position. And oh my gosh, it was we had a blast. So has most of the work that you've done been theater? Then have you done like TV or film or anything? Or? Yeah, no, I I've done. Uh, few independent projects here and there, but, um, mostly my work is in theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess I'll bring this up now. I remember, I mean, cause your story, you know, Peter Dinklage is right. The, oh, yeah. the, um, he told a story once at a commencement where he said when he was 29, he decided he can that was kind of his moment where oh, yeah? he was, he was like the next paying job that I get, I'm going to quit my day jobs and all that. And, and yeah. that's when I'm going to be supporting myself. I don't care how broke I am. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What I and so it's interesting to hear you talk about that because it seems like every like you said your dad had that he never made that choice right he, he no couldn't make the he choice actually he, family, he did he he died at thirty five so oh, wow. he never he he just there was a huge secret project he was working on at GM now come to find out he was working on the electric car oh the Volt so eh? yeah. yeah he was in charge of this project and I know that was a big decision for him because he was also writing a play at the same time and ironically or ironically coincidentally whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He finished his play the night he he died. So he has this play that, of course, is my opus, and I will. It's my mission in life to do something with it. I'm not quite sure yet, but working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know he was in that position where he had this family to support. He obviously wasn't following his dream to the fullest. And he had this amazing job where he was able to take his artistry and make it into something beautiful. 
But I know that's not where his heart was. And since he passed away young and my mother passed away young and both my grandparents passed away, I would say young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew it was my, I mean, how Life could I not? Short, how right? could I not? Yeah. It was my, and it's so sad, but when my grandma did finally pass, this was in 2008 when I did that show, that's really when I'm like, okay, this is going to be really hard. Mm-hmm. But, um, What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I could die and not live my dream, exactly. which sounds so dramatic, but that's sometimes you need that to get going when you're in the lows. Well, no, it's like you, you either take the chance and, 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 you know, you accept whatever happens or you right. don't take the chance and you go and you spend the rest of your time going, what if? Exactly. So, so I'm living that. Not what if. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's been a decade now and here you are. So, you know, you, I mean, 10 yeah. years ago, you know, you go back and tell yourself. That's true. I guess I didn't think about it. that. Despite, yeah. it, it's, despite a major injury, I'm still at it. Right. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> so true, though. <laughs> um, so uh, what's the I'm going to I'm going to give you some best questions. Okay, here. Yes. So what's uh, what's the best theater that you've performed at, in your opinion, like your favorite theater? To well, that's um. So that's an incredibly cruel question to ask because no matter what, I'm going to look like an asshole. But, um, no, I don't, I, well, well, maybe we won't say favorite. Then. Right. Like, what's the one that sticks out the most in your mind? Well, I, I mean, most recently working at the Purple Rose is, is the place where I'm, I, you're going to ask me what my best performance is. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to say my last one. Oh, I'm always going yeah. to say my last job. I'm always going to say, well, what is your best play? The last one, because, Hopefully that's exactly what you're doing in your life constantly. But there are amazing theaters here in Michigan. All of them uh, are, I mean, the hope is to work together so we can keep creating theater and to work together so we get people to the theater. Uh, So I think, and there's so many people that uh, have worked together that no matter what, we're filtering through the same places. So I think more importantly, not what theater, but the mentors that you have and the people that you work with. Because, of course, theaters have their um, constant staff that are there, but they're always bringing in artists from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it special. So I will not pick my favorite theater. Thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, what? here's here's an easier one. Okay, what role you. do you want to play that you have not played yet? Um, that is easy. It is Hedda Gabler. <laughs> what? <laughs> it, is a, it is a classic by Ibsen. It is a... It's one of those things where, you know, I thought I thought maybe I would um I would stumble upon the opportunity, but it's never come my way. And I I would hate to say that but yeah, we're getting we're getting to the point where that that role should probably come around soon otherwise I'm going to have to direct it <laughs> instead of being in it. Uh which is fine. <laughs> But it's a uh, yeah. There, there's certain roles that you when you read and it's all the classic plays you read in school and you attach to. And she's just that strong female character that I grabbed onto when I was in school. What's what's the name again? Hedda Gabler. H- Hedda Gabler, mm-hmm. and and the show is that's the name. That's the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, so she is the show then. That's the yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's you can you know, I thought that I knew like I was I've been interested in theater, you know, interested, you know, not I'm not doing it for a living or anything. But like I did it in high school. And I, you think that 
you, you know, you're familiar with something and then people start throwing these, these, these plays at you and you're like, I've never, Please. you're like, wow, I don't know anything about you're it. Preaching, you know? no, you're preaching. No, today in the green room there, everyone was talking about playwrights and, and actors that are working actors now. And I am a jerk and asked, who is that? And people looked at me like I was crazy. Just now when you asked me about how to get, I had to think twice. I'm like, Oh my God, it did Ibsen write it. So don't please, <laughs> you're, you're, ta- you're talking to me. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm so willing to let you know I don't know anything, but I do know I want to be her. Okay. Well, what's the best performance that you've seen another actor give? I don't know if that's uh, no, that's that's a perfectly wonderful question. Um, I I, I studied uh, abroad at at the Hillbury Year and at Wayne State University, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an option to study abroad at the Moscow Art Theater, which I went and in, in 2012, and it absolutely changed my life and my perspective as an artist. And that's where I again reaffirmed myself. Yes, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Whether whether uh. Whether I go broke or not. Mm-hmm. But this woman, I saw her do Medea. And in the space we were in, they made it so it, we were in a church, which uh, growing up Catholic is something that uh, I have in my in my roots and my bones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could believe in what they believe in now. But <clears throat> the idea and the tradition of it is what I think of theater now. So to me, the combination of it is just this beautiful thing. Uh, so we are in sitting in pews and... Um, the light is coming in and it's the sun is setting. So that is the lighting. There is no other theater lights within this space. Uh, and this woman is sitting in a chair and I could have sworn she was sitting in a armchair because of how she was sitting. And I would say maybe 40 minutes into it, she stood up and there were no arms. Like this woman had been delivering her speech, connecting to us, sitting so still in this chair. And I was just, I was mesmerized by her. And you know, everything over there is in Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, I could understand every word that she was saying because she's so specific. She she knew exactly what she was saying. So I didn't know, need to know every word. Uh, I was with her and it was, I still, I think about it now. I have the chills. So you speak Russian then? Some no, Russian? no, no, no. I'm Pajolsta. Privet. I would say stuff and they'd say, hi. <laughs> they knew exactly. <laughs> they would say our sneakers would give it away. Like, uh, yeah, never just, the first time I've heard that American sneakers. Yes, like. because over there, oh, these women, they'll walk the streets in high heels. If it kills them, it's uh, it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> uh, well, that kind of t- that's interesting that 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 you remember that specific. Thing oh, yeah. The sunset. And yes, the, it was not being a beautiful piece that. of theater. And it made me realize that you can do art in any space that you can think outside of lights giving you a sunset i mean it's just well that's how it started right i mean the greeks didn't have electricity that's right, right? it so. was and that's exactly what we were watching medea yeah. yeah good one alex um so that kind of ties into my next question which is and we're gonna get kind of um philosophical here but yeah oh, it, it sounds like a simple question but but what is good acting to you and what is bad acting and how do you tell the difference like because i mean there's mm-hmm. there's bad acting that still is convincing and then there's good acting that R- you right. may not realize is good until after the fact right well and, and everything is about context i think that uh, there's a great quote by ira glass I, it's god I, I will misquote it but it's all about you you know you're an artist the, your your taste Yes, you know it. I don't know the whole thing. No, it's very long. But but I love I love that idea of we don't know what good is and that's okay, Mm -hmm. And it's okay to wake up the next day and and figure that out. Mm -hmm. But if I had to define acting, I'm going to define it like this. And Meisner, there's a Meisner technique. Sanford Meisner came up with this, not me. But it is 
living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. And to me, if I can see somebody, and we've learned this at the Rose, this mm-hmm. end at the class that we took, just breathing and telling the truth, whatever that, that, uh, wherever, however you can get to that. And I think you can tell the difference when someone's telling you the truth or not in person, mm-hmm. in life. And I don't think it's that much different on stage. So I don't think there's a difference between film acting and theater acting in terms of that. It's just a matter of how wide that lens is, I guess. Mm -hmm. So in film, you have a smaller lens, literally. And in theater, it's a larger lens because there's so much to take into account. So I wouldn't think of it as acting bigger. I would never use that to tell an actor to fill the space, I guess, would be a better way of saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, good acting. I guess I'd rather say, do I believe you or not, is a better way of uh, determining that. Mm-hmm. And I think I, know I, I think we saw that in class, too, where you can strip that from people, mostly by repetition, mostly when you say something over and over and over. You're, you know, when you say the word over and over, it starts to sound weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah, starts to a, maybe mean nothing anymore. There's a term for that. There's literally a term <laughs> where the, you say a word so much that it loses me. I want to yes. say it starts with an S. I, I read it on the Internet. Oh, it's a, it's recently. a thing. Yeah, it's so. a crossword clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, and then also there's another method, the Krotowski method. Oh my gosh, I hope I'm probably misquoting all this, but the, the, the idea of exhausting yourself and you're going to get to the truth. It's like you get out of your own way. You stop thinking about all of the technical things and you just breathe and tell the truth. Mm-hmm. I noticed that in class because like I don't, I've never acted professionally and I, before that class I hadn't really acted in a long time, but I did notice that in the scene that we did and in all the scenes, the more I said the lines, the less I had, less you have to think about That's it. Right? right. And the more you can just, you can just be and focus That's on what, right. whatever the director has given you to do on the, what is it? The given circumstances. Yeah. Nice. And, yes. Uh, and then that, that's what makes it seem real. Right. That's right. Do you think that having a, experience to draw on and like certain memories to, to sort of play in your head to, 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 to get a certain emotion, do you think that, Makes a difference or can somebody – are there people that could just do it without – regardless of what they've been through? I think it can be problematic either way because if you do let those experiences and your thoughts and feelings interrupt you breathing and telling the truth, that can be problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a matter of – of course, we all suffer. We all have some things that we're carrying around with us and informs us of, oh, I remember or I know what it's like to feel like blank. And and of certainly a way to get into the work is to have those ideas. But when you are, in fact, with your partner on stage, if you are thinking about all of the things you've been through, how can you be present for your partner on stage? Yeah, overthinking so, it. Yeah. Yes, of course, all of those things inform me. And yeah, we've all been through some shit that we can be like, sure, yeah, I can go cry it out. But what it comes down to is if, you know, you, you, you had a recent loss and now you have to go on stage, are you going to use that loss? Well, no, because our instant reaction is going to protect ourselves. We don't yeah. want to show a bunch of strangers how vulnerable we are in real life. So I think sometimes that can be that can inhibit you. Although, you know, it doesn't hurt to know exactly what it's like to um, go through something that your character has done so you can identify with them. That's that does help. Right. It- but that's was, like saying somebody d- who isn't married doesn't know what it's like to be married or somebody who doesn't have children uh, has kids or somebody who is has lived in Ireland their whole life and now is, in, is now living in the U.S. and has a Irish dialect. Like there's all these different circumstances that we really can't 
force ourselves to be. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean that we can't go out there and try to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances, which that's the key word? No, I think we can. Well, can you uh, can you cry on cue? I have to ask Do you. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can give you a great trick that, <laughs> that you can absolutely do. And it's keep your eyes open for as long as possible. And yeah, you're going to develop tears. Oh, uh, yeah. But the thing is, is if I think about that again, I'm not going to think about what my partner's doing to affect me. Now, when I'm alone and I have to give an audition and, and give a monologue or maybe do a scene where I, on film, my partner isn't right there and it's just the angle where they're, they're getting my reaction and nothing else. So that is certainly harder because to connect with a human being is everything that that's where you can find everything you need. So that's, I mean, that's when the technical stuff, I guess, comes in and you have to think of all your tactics of, but I, I personally believe that if you can't cry, please don't try. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. That rhymes. Cause that to me is like, the, now the, you're forcing the... an emotion or you're not thinking about what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about don't cry, keep it in, don't let them see what you, that now you're actively trying to suppress something that might actually produce some tears. So like, of course I have like ideas and tricks and stuff, but what it comes down to is if you breathe and keep your mouth open mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time and you let the world in, you'll cry. That's, have you ever seen a uh, Capote or Capote with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes. Remember at the end when he starts crying over yes. the, that scene, he did that. The director, uh, Bennett Miller came over to him before the scene and said, do you think Capote, Capote would have, uh, I'm saying it like Jack Nicholson said a Capote. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, he said, do you think he would have, he cried when he did that? And Philip Seymour Hoffman was like, nah, I don't think so. I don't think he would have done that. And he went in and he, and he just lost it. Yeah. So that, there you go. Don't cry. Right. And right. the reason I brought up crying is because for me, that's such a, that's your body having an actual reaction that's to right. something. You cannot fake that. I mean, Some, you can, but it's, if there's a, you can tell the difference between yes. somebody who's faking and who's not. And a great, uh, lesson I learned. I want to say when I was at Cincinnati Shakes, there's a, there's a text work that we do. And in there said, it said, um, a runner doesn't go out to sweat. That is a byproduct that happens yeah. when they are running. Yeah. Just like an actor doesn't go out there to cry. That is a by- byproduct of whatever is happening. Mm-hmm. And if that, ha- and there, I, I'm sure a lot of actors can tell you there might be certain moments and times at certain nights, depending on the evening. That's why theater is so great because it's something that we rediscover every day, not reenact, not try to redo what we did last night that worked so well, but rediscover all these moments. And there might be moments where you get there and moments that you don't. And you can't sit there and, and, and think that that's what held the scene back because you didn't produce the sweat. Mm-hmm. One of our uh, other classmates, I'm going to probably mispronounce his name, but uh, uh, Jeremy Kucharik, I yeah, believe yeah, is yeah. what it is. Uh, he, I asked him the same thing about crying. and I just have to say his answer because I thought it was so brilliant. He said that, that's the same thing as asking what hurts. And because he, he had done a scene in class that day and he had cried for it, like openly uh, yes. cried. Mm-hmm. And uh and, I, and so it was just, it was interesting to me, just like I just asked you now, you know, it was, so I, th- I thought his answer was really good. So I just wanted yeah. to get that on the record. Yeah, no, but, no, uh, nice. Um, but speaking of the Purple Rose, uh, you were just on stage this, uh, this, this yeah. past week, I want to say, Yes, right? I, I was originally hired to understudy a role, Lynette Taylor-Tyler of Diva Rail. And I uh, came there prepared and we've been working, we get rehearsals every Friday which is wonderful with the understudy cast. And then uh, I, I would say maybe a week before the actual happening, um, I needed to take over a different track 
because of something that happened within the cast. So I took over this new track and then um, four days later, uh, I was informed that I was going on for that new role. Oh my Lord. So, and we had, we were able to get through the whole play doing our lines as me as her once. So I was, you know, at least I had that under my belt. Mm -hmm. I had seen the show so many times and I am a huge super fan of it. So it's one of those like, Oh, do your favorite TV shows. I know uh, every word. It's like me. Do dumb and dumber. I got it down cold. <laughs> so no that, problem. I can do so all the parts. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess maybe I just have that kind of brain when I love something. I'm going to absorb every moment of it. So, uh, I, that morning, the show was at three. We had a put in, which is basically a rehearsal, a last minute rehearsal with the cast at 1230 and. We, we did the show. And just to brag a little bit, there is a big lift in the show. I don't want to spoil it because it is a, a brilliant moment of the play that the ladies do every night. But it was a hard for me because I had to get up from a kneeling lunge with my my uh, injury, my dramatic injury, so to speak. <laughs> and, you know, in the rehearsal, I just I, I wasn't I wasn't quite getting it. I could tell that my knee wasn't stable. And it really I, I was very worried about really getting in my head and not being able to do my job. And in the moment, I did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now that memory of <laughs> jumping <laughs> off that box and me reliving that over and over of, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> is exchanged with me rising up and lifting her and having my partner's backs and knowing, oh, I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. And the rest of the show happened. And it was so fun. I was so calm. It was great. The audience was spectacular. The rest of the cast so supportive. Everyone at work was wonderful. It was great. And so that that you said that goes till the 29th? 29th, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So only a couple weeks weeks more. Yep. Then. Yeah, I can't believe that the end is near. Yeah. It's wild. Time flies, eh? Yeah. Um so what's you, you do have another job lined up. I did. I did stuff. sign that contract. Right. So <laughs> tell us about that. So it's in Columbus at a company called Catco. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Columbus. Oh, my. I don't know what it stands for. Let's not talk about Cat, that. Cat Columbus. Cat, Cat, Cat yeah. Uh But it's a wonderful new company that I should definitely know what those initials are. Uh, and they're doing Life Sucks. And life that, sucks. Yes, Life Sucks. Which is um, basically a contemporary take on Uncle Vanya, written by Aaron Posner. It's he's done all the Chekhov plays, and including Stupid Fucking Bird, which is the seagull by Chekhov. And I did that uh, a couple years ago, so now I get to do Life Sucks. Mm -hmm. Can't wait. And you said you do like other like little side jobs and things. Like you said voiceover. Like, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so uh, there's a couple agencies here in Michigan that I work with, and so I'm basically contracted out by them. Mm -hmm. Audition and. If you book it, you go off on your jobs and go on your merry way. Sometimes that happens all the time, and then sometimes not so much. There's a there, the film incentive in Michigan has been taken away, so it's a little yeah. a few and far between with the film film gigs. But um, you know, Chicago's not that far, and uh, you know, there's always you can always venture out, which I do when I when I have the time and the money. I'm always uh, on the hunt. Mm -hmm. Is there anything people might have heard you in that? Uh, well, mm -hmm. I mean. You can buy a Cadillac, a 2019 Cadillac, and I'll tell you how to hook up your phone to your car. <laughs> <laughs> and then community colleges and stuff like that yeah, on the radio. I mean, yeah, we'll see. It's just uh, and also grocery store commercials. <laughs> it's right. just all the local stuff that's around here. 
Yeah, you could turn on your TV and see. Um, so tell us about some of the. You said you you acted in some uh, independent projects like film and things like that. Yeah, tell us about those. Uh, if you join um online, there's a subscription called Backstage, which is basically jobs all over the country where people are looking for actors. And I I've kind of put it so my specs are anywhere, and you can specify it to just Detroit or places in the Midwest. But I have since I'm kind of all over the place, I like to keep my feelers out. And there was a a couple out in L.A. Originally from Cincinnati that wanted to shoot their film in Cincinnati because that's where the film took place. So they put an ad on backstage, which I sought out myself and auditioned, put myself on tape, and they hired me from there. And we shot that film in Cincinnati and it's doing great. It, it, it's gotten a wonderful awards. They're doing all of their film festivals, which I'm so bad at knowing what is what. It's but a whole other world there. It really yeah. is. Uh, my goodness. And they actually did a premiere in Royal Oak, which is so bizarre, but I wasn't able to make it. They did it at the Imagine Theater, and oh. I thought that was so cool. So I'm in a movie in my hometown. Heck yeah. Yeah. What's the movie called again? <laughs> it's called Blue. Blue. Yeah. And what was your role in that? I played – it was a flashback scene of her mother um, getting admitted to the uh, – to the, um, an asylum. Uh, it was, yes, it was, it was, that heavy. was one of the hardest shoots ever just because it was at four in the morning and it was in a hospital and had to dress in scrubs and had like the whole banging my head against the wall. So I had a wound on my forehead and it was, it was kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we kind of talked about this a little bit already, but uh, the the difference between theater and film acting. You said like filling the space and all that stuff, but I mean, yeah. there's got to be a difference. I think the lens between... is is the difference. Mm-hmm. Is you're you have such a small window when you're doing film that that little camera, and then when you're sitting in an audience or you have an audience in front of you, you have so many more eyes. I I guess more space to, yeah. And then also the difference of film is you have all of these different takes, Mm -hmm. different angles, and it's really about execution and being precise and figuring out how you said that, like what, how do you launch yourself into that again without it sounding, um, inauthentic. Mm -hmm. And in theater, no matter what, you're going to have those partners in front of you. In film, sometimes you don't have somebody to interact with. And I, I don't know what else. Uh, I mean, there's so much more, I guess, in terms of making sure you hit your marks, but that you do that in theater as well. Mm-hmm. I really think, for me, it has to do about uh, uh, with the lens of who, of where I need to direct my energy. Instead of having the audience, you know, a couple feet away. They're yeah, they're all <laughs> it's 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 all happening right there in the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and in film, you can go back to one. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. That's just not possible in theater. And there's something about the time that elapses for it to take. Whereas with film, it could take years mm-hmm. to, to build a film. And in theater, you get hour and a half, two hours. In Diva Rail's case, 72 minutes. Well, so we've already asked you what role would you like to play that you haven't played yet. Is there anybody that you would like to, like a director or actor or actress that you would like to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Oh, yeah. Uh, I have a list, absolutely, of people that I've watched for years. Um, and some of those people I was able to, to work with this in this past year. 
Um, it's been a thrilling experience. Certainly at work now, there, it's a big company and I've only get to, I've only gotten to work with a small group of that company so far. So within that company, since I've gotten to know everyone, I, I, I look at everyone around me and think, Oh, I just, I can't wait to play with you. Mm-hmm. And we had that opportunity in class to work with a bunch of people that I've known for years and haven't had a chance to. Uh, but and, and when I came to this place, I didn't know everyone. I didn't even know the kind of people they were. And I've had all this great time to get to know them. And I'm so glad I do. There's incredible artists everywhere, mm. everywhere. But yeah, I, so I mean, specifically, I'm, I, um, I don't want to like listen. You don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. Um, but, uh, all right. Well, my next question is, um, and this is kind of going back a little bit, but uh, I wanted to talk about union yeah. and joining the union. Like, yeah. tell us about that and like how, how you did that and, and what the, is that like expected or are you, I mean. Well, in you know. back in 2006, when I was writing down my goals, when I wanted to manifest what I wanted, mm-hmm. that was part of my goals only because I watched my parents be non-union actors. And what I noticed is when you're non-union, you don't get there are no rules for how you're going to get paid, which there is room for that. And it took me a long time to become a union actor just based on the the path that I took. Mm-hmm. I think the beauty of the union is you're protected. And once I hurt myself, I realized how badly I needed to be protected in terms of making sure I had health insurance, uh, making sure I had um, – a good enough paying job to know, which is hilarious because you never know where your next job is coming from. Mm-hmm. But when you do book your season and you do have these long contracts like I have at the Purple Rose, you're able to know exactly when you're going to get paid and exactly what it is. And you can budget out your life just like you would if you worked anywhere else. Right. So to and then also there's a status thing that goes with it. Um I'm a professional actor and I belong to a union and all of those things I associated with when I was a kid. So personally for me, that is something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it took me a really long time to get there. And I finally turned of October last year and it, and I'm so glad I did because mm-hmm. that's something I'm proud of. Well, um, believe it or not, we're actually winding down here. We got about five minutes left all right. uh, with the show coming in after us. Right, Kate. So, uh, um, I just want to like it. There was a moment we did a, the like I mentioned that you were in the first group. Yes, that I that uh, I got assigned to back in October. Which you know I did that speech as Ruth for an audition recently. Oh no, kidding! Mm-hmm. Uh, well, where at in Cincinnati? Oh okay. Yeah, um, it's coming around that time where you have to have a new package where mm-hmm. you have to have two contrasting monologues, and I took things that I've been working on in class and then also with Diva Royale. Oh. Since I'm an understudy, it's not something I've performed. I think that like that's you can skate by the rules with that. <laughs> so, so something I put, you know, but you haven't actually. Yeah, you, something yeah. that I haven't been directed to do, something that I crafted on my own. So, anyways, Ruth was one of them. So I thought of you oh, when okay. I was on the road doing that. Well, the reason I bring it up is because like I I, I kind of mentioned this at the, at the towards the beginning of the show, but um, like I went into this class just kind of on a I signed up like two or three days before. Well, no, actually, it was about it was more about a week and a half before it started. But it was really it was a spontaneous last. So minute glad thing. you did. And yeah, me too. That was an absolute blast. Um, I will never forget it. But, uh, there was that first moment I'd seen people act in class. I'd seen everybody. We gave monologues on the first day. So yes. Was, but yeah. it was that moment where I realized like, holy, like these people, you, you, cause you, I, the way that the scene went is there was this kind of short scene with not too many lines that I yeah. did with you. 
<laughs> and and then and then there was another I scene where a lot. it was just this this like a ton of dialogue. Yes. And uh and I was watching you do it, and then the other woman it was Maria, who actually lives in Royal Oak too. Right, yeah. And then uh, another uh, woman named Danielle. Yes. And uh and you guys were doing it, and I was like, oh my god, like these people actually know what they're doing. Like they, <laughs> they're not uh like especially you, and and so uh, it was just it was really interesting to see that, and Aww, uh, and, it, and you're awesome, man. And, and then the uh, you know the rest of the class too. I mean, you know, watching everything everybody else did, and yeah, it was, it was everyone really, did beautiful work. Yeah. I mean, you are the stress ball guy, you know that, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, you came a, up with that move ball, and yeah. that stuff. That was brilliant, brilliant work. Yeah, yeah that was a blast. I think everyone uh, walked away. I th- I think I, I watched so much growth from everyone. Mm-hmm. It really felt like that class was important. Yeah. I watched people change. And then we all got to hang out after. It was so fun. Yeah. The after part was great. That's when you really, it's not just about the work you do in class. It's the stuff you take with you in the outside world. Cause that's what we're really trying to do. We're just trying to make this better place, you know? Right. And if you're happy, that means that you're going to make somebody else happy and it just trickles down. Yeah. It's, it's, I said like when we were all hanging out after, I said, this is so good for a person, this type of, yeah, of, yeah, it really community. is. You know, one of my dreams is to bring what I've learned as an ensemble member to the corporate world. That's something that I've mm. always been interested in um, doing some not necessarily viewpoints that we did in class, because that would probably be too much. But uh, ensemble building uh, things that I learned over in Russia, really, of the uh, the classes that they do and the exercises that they do, it, it would be so beneficial to those who work in a corporate environment where they are trapped at a desk and they have to come up with creative ideas at the same time. Right. It's asking a lot out of humans, I think. Go to uh, Silicon Valley. I think they'll, they'll yes. happen. If they're not well, already yeah. doing that, they You're might, right. they'll definitely. That is uh, very much on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's totally, uh, I could see it, you know, the, the office that has a pinball machine in it. Right. That. Oh, they, right. Yes. Ping pong for that, sure. That would. Uh, yeah, that, that gets it all flowing. But, you know, that kind of stuff, it just sets up for more competition, I think. Whereas what I'm thinking is more about coming together as a group for the you know, whatever that end result is, yeah. which is basically let's spend a lot of time together in the same building when really we just want to be home with our families. Yeah. Well, <laughs> although like, I mean, no matter what happens, it's, it's really cool to see like, you know, sometimes you get into a group of people and you're like, no matter what you're doing. And then you're like, there's no way that I'm ever going to gel with these people. And then you start. It's to, funny. I, it's then, so true. Cause you have that wall up and sometimes I don't want to not in the mood, but at the end of the day, out anyway, heck yeah. yeah, those icebreakers, that's what they're meant to do. And, and then there's other times where you're like, this is going to be great. And then you walk away and you're like, wow, that, that was sucked. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, expectations, uh, no good. <laughs> we've got uh, we, we're at the one minute mark here, so we got to get right. going. But Vanessa, thanks so much for coming. Thank in. you was, for having me. It was me. great to meet you. Good luck. And I, I, it's so nice to see somebody actually living their dream, Aww. doing what they have to do. So thanks for the reminder. And you're a terrific actress as well. So I, I, Thank I, you, I Alex. keep climbing the ladder, you know. Thanks, man. Um, I will. Uh, so uh, I will be back. Actually, I'm taking two weeks off. I'll be back on. January 9th. So everybody uh, have a uh, great holiday, and I will see you in 2019. This has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com.